Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. The Action Network Podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Ready? All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. <laughs> Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> Welcome into the Action Network podcast presented by the FanDuel Sportsbook. Brendan Glasheen joined by two NFL contributors at Action Network, Jill Gallant, Brandon Anderson. Great to have the crew back together. Uh, This is our annual NFL Awards Best Bets episode where our experts highlight their favorite pick across MVP, Coach of the Year, Rookies of the Year, Offensive, Defensive, etc. And as a reminder... We're taking a real deep dive into NFL right now. The season is vastly approaching here on the Action Network podcast. This week, we have a full lineup of episodes, including season-long player props, exotics, NFL pool play, and uh, that will be everything we have as far as season outlook stuff before we dive into the normal season schedule, like best bets, et cetera, uh, for NFL week one. Very exciting times, and great to talk to both of you again. It's been a while, um, so excited to have this uh, pod. Let's just dive right in. We're going to start with MVP because it's always the juicy conversation heading into the year. And everyone freaks out by week four, week five, who the favorite should be. But for our interest, we have a show to do today. And we have to talk about what the lines look like right now, Brandon Anderson. So when we, and this is how we're going to do this podcast, everybody. We'll go to Brandon first for each award. And he's going to give the historical background, historical context on how this award typically shakes out the criteria of the player and how it typically unfolds season by season. So, Brandon, why don't you get us started and set the scene for MVP of the National Football League? Let's do this. I am glad to be back. Good to see you all. It's been a minute. Get my pizza ready. We're back at it again. (laughs) MVP is a quarterback award. We know this. We don't have to go over it, but 15 out of 16 MVPs have been quarterbacks. Truly, I did not even look at another name for MVP. It's quarterbacks only. Cooper Cup is the only non-quarterback to even get a vote in the last five years. He got one, one first place vote. No one else, any first place votes. So it's a quarterback. 12 of the last 16 quarterback or 12 last 16 MVPs went to Brady, Peyton, Rogers, Mahomes. That's it. Those four dudes. So Mahomes is the favorite. We'll get to him in a second. He's the right favorite. This is a team award, not just a player award. Those 15 quarterbacks won 83% of their games. That is a 14.1 win pace. 14 wins. That is a one seed most of the time, is a top two seed all but one out of the 15, and 13 or more wins for 11 out of the 15. So we got to win a lot of games. You need your quarterback to put up stats. Typically, the average here is about 4,500 yards, 40 touchdowns. That is close to 300 yards a game, two and a half scores a game. That all basically means... That MVP, for as fun as it's going to be, and we're going to talk about it all year, we really have like 10 or 12 guys here. Like there there is not a lot of names to the conversation. There are only quarterbacks, and a lot of them are already disqualified because their team's not good enough. So a couple other notes here. Average age, higher than you think. 31 years old over this stretch. Why? Well, because Brady and Manning and Rodgers keep winning it, right? So if you take those three out, The average age is 26. So now it's back more where you're looking at your Herberts, your Lawrences, the guys we'll get to. As far as odds, a couple of things here to note. Six of the last eight winners started plus 1,100 or longer. So it's not usually the favorite here. However, if it is the favorite, it's usually because it's Brady, Rodgers, Mahomes, or Peyton because they're the favorite. That's how this thing goes. So that's that one. Last thing. This is not helpful right now, but in season, we love our, our Vorps and Schwarps, right? Our advanced stats. EPA, if you look at EPA in season, 
14 out of our 15 winners finished top two in EPA per play, and 14 out of 15 finished top two in EPA plus completion over expectation. So as the season goes along, those can be very good indicators to tell us who's not really in the running and who might surprise and be in the running. So lots to go on for MVP here. Obviously, Mahomes is our defending guy here. We got him on the podcast last year. That was our first big win, I think plus eight or 900, depending on the book you got him. You got to start with him. It's a fun field. Maybe not quite as big a field as we would like to believe. uh, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson. Those are some of the names in that grouping with Mahomes as far as looking at the odds last year at this point uh, in the preseason. And I think your note about the age when you eliminate Rodgers, Brady, and Manning, 26 is that kind of spot where they're probably out of their rookie deal. They got a big fat extension. Um, So that's interesting too, uh, how that timing kind of lines up. With all that being said, Jill Gallant, why don't you give us a pick and, and who do you like for MVP based on all that context and how it shakes out? Sure. And one of the things I would also add is some of those winners were in the first few years, first few years rather of their deal. If you look at Patrick Mahomes, you look True. at Lamar Jackson, both second year yep. starters. Um, so I'm going to be looking at somebody who I think is going to make a natural progression here. And I'm taking a look at Trevor Lawrence for MVP at 16 to 1. Now, right now at FanDuel, that's where he is at plus 1600. There's others at 16 to 1. You've got Lamar Jackson, you've got Dak Prescott, Aaron Rodgers, Tua Tagovailoa. Of all of those of the group, to me, Lawrence, I feel, has the best shot. And when you start to look at some of the other correlating odds, for example, the AFC South, they're favored to win the AFC South right now around minus 155. That's about a 60% implied probability. So winning that division, I think there's potential for best record in the AFC. Now, Brandon did mention in his profile for MVP that winning record is a consistent theme because every MVP winner over the last eight years has been on a team that has had or shared the best conference record. And then once you look at the division that they're in, it's a mess. Like the Colts are starting over at quarterback. Their best player doesn't want to play there anymore. The Titans roster has regressed in my opinion, despite adding receiver to Andre Hopkins. And uh, we'll talk about the Texans here in a little bit, but I think the Texans, even though they were able to get their quarterback of the future and maybe potentially the best defensive player in the draft, I still think they're building up from the basement. So they're probably a little bit overmatched. So the Jags are going to get some easy wins this year. They went four and two in the division in 2022. Every other team in the division has got glaring weaknesses. So I think there's potential to go at least five and one or six and oh in the division. But then you look at the coaching aspect in Trevor Lawrence. The Doug Peterson influence, I don't think we could just overlook that because he's got a bit of a track record as a quarterback whisperer. Like, you really could, he can really coach them up. Uh, I mean, stat wise for Lawrence, I mean, it was a nightmare in year one with Urban Meyer. Year two, night and day. He's ninth in passing yards, eighth in touchdown passes. And most importantly, guys, he cut down on those dumb ass turnovers. He led the NFL with 17 picks in the first year, got that down to eight in year two, gets a nice wide receiver one in Calvin Ridley to help spread the field, even more of a downfield threat, maybe helping with that uh, EPA. Uh, Now they do have some tough teams on the docket. They've got the Chiefs, they've got the Bills, they've got the Niners and the Bengals on tap. Some would argue that that would obviously be a big threat to Lawrence's MVP campaign. I see it as opportunity because if the Jags and Lawrence play well, it's going to go a long way when we get to the end of the year and voters are starting to make that MVP case at the end of the season, looking at who they beat, who they played. And if he plays well in those games, we're going to be talking about Lawrence at the end of the year. And I think there's a lot of potential for them to get to a top seed in the AFC conference. So Trevor Lawrence at 16 to 1 is my best bet for NFL MVP. I don't think it can be overstated, the continuity at coach and quarterback in that division. Now, I know Ryan Tannehill is back with Mike Vrabel, so technically they've been together before. But they drafted Will Levis. They still have Malik Willis. It's a mess. They have three quarterbacks that they might use this year at some point. So I think that's a great point, too, that the continuity and in that division just stinking uh, is beneficial. And opportunity, as you said, a first-place schedule because they won the division. Brandon, with your context in mind, Who's a guy who jumps out? So I'm going to talk about two guys here because to to kind of talk through my process, for me, given the criteria I spoke, spoke with, Patrick Mahomes has to be where you start here. Like, it's boring, 
because he so obviously checks every single box down the list. He's the best player on the best team. He has the best coaches. He's on the best offense. Here's the list. He's played five years, 12 or more wins every year, top three EPA every year, top two DVOA offense every year. It's that obvious and that boring. There are some red flags. He's going to have two new starting tackles. Usually that takes a little time to start the year. Travis Kelsey turns 34 this year. No Eric Bieniemy calling plays or at least helping the scheme. We'll see if that actually helps or hurts them. No Chris Jones maybe on defense. Again, team award. You got to win games. Defense helps you win games. So I think if you just want to make one bet right now for MVP and I'm out and I'll ride this ticket to the end, I think Mahomes is the guy. 600 is too long, even for a player this time of the year. I don't think he should be more than half of that as the clear favorite. We saw Rodgers, Peyton, Brady, Mahomes. These are the guys that win the award. To me, if I'm building a position, I have to have Mahomes in the portfolio somewhere along the way. I will build a position. I'm hoping to wait and probably add him at a better number later. This is going to be the conversation all year. It's going to move. Guys like Josh Allen have an awesome opening schedule. I think Allen's probably the leader at the midpoint of the season if he's healthy, but I don't like him late. But that sort of movement means I can maybe add Mahomes later at a spot where his number dropped because now it's Allen's year or it's Herbert's year. Or maybe it's Trevor Lawrence's year. So the other reason that I'm a little hesitant to go in Mahomes, we know this. Where are all the good teams this year? It's the mm-hmm. AFC. I did my quarterback rankings article. Eight of the top nine quarterbacks in my article all play in the AFC. It's absurd. Everything is in the AFC. I want someone in the NFC because it's way easier to win 12 games and be a top two seed. In fact, that's basically where I'm going. I'm going with the guy that was just outside my top nine quarterbacks at number 10. I'm going to give you a pick that will make Jill happy. My guy, Dak Prescott, Dallas Cowboys, 25 to 1. The case is effectively what I just said. Dak Prescott has a good chance, in my opinion, to be on the NFC one seed. I don't really like the Niners that much this year for a number of reasons. The NFC is wide open. That basically means I'm down to Eagles and Cowboys. And if the Eagles don't beat the Cowboys in the division, Dallas is probably the one seed. So now what do I have? Quarterback on the one seed of America's team. That's the soundbite. That's the MVP right there. The NFC is open. Look, I know, Mike McCarthy, I'm not excited. I would rather not have Mike (laughs) McCarthy involved in a bet I'm making, but he tends to skew pass heavy. So I think that that can only help Dak. He he passes more. I like Brandon Cooks there this year, helping with CeeDee Lamb. I do not like Brian Schottenheimer either. However... He does have a good history of getting the ball to receivers on the move. I think that's a very good fit for Lamb and Cooks. I don't want McCarthy or Schottenheimer holding my money. No, thank you. I do not want it, sir. But I can see a world where this offense kind of sets up just right for a timing quarterback like Dak to get the ball to these guys, let Lamb and Cooks cook, I guess, per se. Dak's numbers over his career, 7.6 yards per attempt. That's a good number. 6% touchdown rate the last couple of years. You usually have to spike in TDs here to get into the mix. That's a good number. He's had a top three EPA season. He got an MVP vote in his season. To me, I don't know that I would say he's the favorite to win. He certainly is not. That's Mahomes. But I think he's a quarterback of a team that is absolutely in the mix for a one seed. And at 25 to 1, that is the worst number. Or that's a bad number for an NFC one seed possibility. So Dak is my top value on the board. And referencing Brandon Anderson's quarterback rankings, he said eight of the first nine in the AFC. Well, his second NFC quarterback is Dak Prescott at number 10 on your list. So exactly. um, you got him as the second best quarterback in uh, in the conference, Jill. That's where he's got... Dak Prescott, you got reaction to this? Are you excited or now nervous? The only counter I would say is you <laughs> got to get the interceptions down because Mahomes, yeah. he did have 11 interceptions last year, but that was actually like a, an anomaly. Normally we're looking at, you know, five, six, seven interceptions kind of at most. And he only played 12 games last year and he still had the league in interceptions. So <laughs> I, I think 
The main thing that I would just say right now, I'm seeing his over-under interception line around 12 and a half. I do think that is going to go under, which obviously correlates with Brandon's play. But that is the one thing that I think is the sticking factor for Dak is that right now there's still a lot of you know bad blood about how many picks he's been throwing unnecessarily last year. All right. Good to keep in mind. And that's been a theme of, of camp and really the lead up here is Dak just keeps throwing interceptions. And he's actually been very kind of outspoken about that. And Trey Lance is there now. So maybe I, I'm not saying he's a threat, but maybe it gives Dak a little kick, you know, like, oh, they got they brought this third overall pick in. Who knows? Um, I like it. My, my so, guy, Trey Lance. Jill, I'm a Cowboys fan now. Welcome me to the bandwagon. Oh, Let's yeah, go, Cowboys. North Dakota State. That's I right. can't believe the disrespect Cooper Rush is getting right now in this conversation. <laughs> That's a great point. So as Brandon said earlier, it, it, this is a really fun award to talk about. So let's spend a couple minutes quickly on some of the longer shot guys, popular names. And, and Brandon, as we prepared for this pod, I, I thought it was interesting some of the names you threw out because these quarterbacks, this, this group that you put together, to me, and, and one of these guys, I remember you bet last year because um, there was some there was some legs under this player because of how the team got hot middle of the season. And as we found out, it didn't work out, but it was just fascinating to me. It feels like this next grouping you want to hit on, there are some guys in here that have that, that mobile aspect. And when you look at his, your historical context yeah. points, only Lamar and Cam Newton, I guess Aaron Rodgers, I think he's still more of a pure pocket guy, but you look at Jackson and Newton as two of the more mobile guys in the last 10 years that have won this award. The guys that you want to talk about as longer shot guys are mobile quarterbacks. Why don't you discuss some of those names? Yeah, look, Justin Fields is a very popular candidate. If you've been listening to across our Action Network podcast platforms, you hear a lot of Justin Fields love. I know the guys on the favorites really like Justin Fields. I know, I believe Chris Raybon's in on Justin Fields. Yep. I got to be honest, I am not in on Justin Fields. I live here in the Chicago area. I watch a lot of Justin Fields. As politely as I can say it, I want a quarterback to win the award. I don't really know if Justin Fields is a quarterback. His passing metrics, his passing numbers are terrible across the board. In my quarterback rankings, I got slander for putting him 20th. I thought I was being pretty kind to putting him 20th. I I was giving him the benefit of the doubt putting him 20th. He can improve because he's young. And yeah, I know the blocking got a little better and he's got a DJ Moore help at receiver. I get the case. I think the blocking is still way better run blocking than pass blocking. I think DJ Moore can only do so much. We've seen quarterbacks make a huge leap, but everyone wants to say, well, yeah, Josh Allen. Josh Allen's the only example because he's the only example. Like when a quarterback is really bad like this, like the numbers look, usually that means they don't have a job at the end of this year, not that they're the MVP at the end of this year. That is the far more likely outcome to me here. I don't like the Justin Fields love myself, especially I think if you wanted him, you, you missed the boat. He's 22 to one now or shorter. I think you had to get the long shot while he was out there. You mentioned the guy that I bet on last year, Tua Tagovailoa. Yep. I thought he was maybe going to be my pick here. I wanted to get there. First eight games last year when he was healthy, he won all eight games and he was on pace for 5,200 yards and 40 touchdowns. And he was number one in EPA. That's your MVP. That's it. Unfortunately, the other nine games count. <laughs> so he got hurt. He's missed four games, two years in a row. He had injury history at Alabama. He's a small guy. We know about all that stuff. On top of that, the offensive line is not good. Teron Armstead, you're taking on his injury risk as well because Miami suffered when he was out, the left tackle. Tyreek Hill, you're taking on his injury risk as well. So I think the path is there for Tua if everything clicks, but you are asking for a lot of things to click on him. So Again, ultimately, he's someone, if he was maybe a 40 or 50, I'd take a shot. I couldn't get there at a 22 to 1. Russell Wilson, our guy from last year. Jared Goff had the great finish. Deshaun Watson, I I actually would have given more thought to, except let's just be real. Nobody's voting for Deshaun Watson this year. Like The guy could throw 100 touchdowns, and I'm still not sure he would win MVP. So that's not even a, I just don't want to feel about this bet. I don't want it on my portfolio. Just truly. Voters have to vote for the guy. And I don't think, maybe down the line, but I don't think this year we're going to get enough votes there. Jill, what do you think? Our guy Russell Wilson, Denver Broncos, does he have a shot this year? I'm not sure if I'm ready to ride. I know that I <laughs> I crack on the Broncos a lot. Obviously, I think Sean Payton and his influence is going to make a massive 
uh, massive impact comparatively what we saw with Nathaniel Hackett last year. I honestly, of these lists, the, the issue with a lot of these long shots is you have to overcome objections and everyone has such a glaring objection. Like Tua, I'm not sure he's going to play all 17 games. Justin Fields, same thing. Like, and to be honest, when we, what we've seen in preseason, it looks a lot like the same mechanics and throwing issues that he was having even the first two years as, as a quarterback. Deshaun Watson, we don't need to get in the morality side of things. He's not getting any votes. Jared Goff, I mean, the Detroit Lions are pretty much pegged to win the NFC at this stage by a lot of experts. So, yeah, maybe he might be worth it. But again, Jared Goff, if you go look at his home and away splits, home, he's great. Away, he is a very below average quarterback. And so for me, honestly, I think once we get past the plus 2000s, it's really tough to justify. And then you're starting to get into skill position players. And we've already established we're not even considering those at this stage. So I think you got to kind of look through the first 10 guys. Make your pick and stick with it. I agree with you, but I'm going to jump in with one more name here to wrap up. I am a glutton for punishment because technically speaking, I've effectively made this bet twice already and had it look terribly for me. I already have one MVP pick in the app from about February or March at 50 to 1, and he's now a Dallas Cowboy because I was Trey Lance. (laughs) Guys, I can't stop myself. Brock Purdy... 50 to 1. I have to consider <laughs> oh, him for MVP. Here's the case. Look, I just told you I don't believe in the Niners. Despite that, Brock Purdy in the six games he effectively started on pace for 3,700 yards, 37 touchdowns, nine interceptions, two touchdowns every single game, 8 0 in games that he played half the snaps, counting those playoff games. 7.6% touchdown rate. That's really good. That's an MVP number. yards per attempt. That's an MVP number. We talked about EPA. If you play for Kyle Shanahan at quarterback, you are going to be good at EPA. Like Jimmy Garoppolo has been top three to five at EPA when he plays over the years. That's they break the code. If you are a person playing quarterback for Kyle Shanahan, your numbers are going to look good. The weapons are there. The defense is really good. They have a great chance at the one seed. Quarterbacks that win on a one seed are in the mix. Kyle Shanahan, when he has Garoppolo or Purdy over his career in the Niners, 43-17, and 17, a 12-win pace. So I don't love this team. I don't love Brock Purdy. I don't believe in Brock Purdy. I still think this number is way too long. There's such an obvious narrative. Guys, if the Niners go 14-3 and three as the one seed and we got Mr. Irrelevant coming off of a broken elbow that couldn't even throw the ball and now he's the quarterback of this juggernaut team, you're telling me we're not going to talk about him as, well, did we find the next Tom Brady? He's an MVP mix <laughs> now. Like, it's it's right there. So I have to consider that 50 to 1. The case that I would make is this. If I'm building a position, I didn't really talk about Jalen Hurts much. I, th- I didn't really expect to be in on Jalen Hurts. He doesn't really fit the profile for me. To me, he's a guy that probably last year was a shot, and then we probably don't get there again. Historically, if you finish top three in MVP, you get one shot and then you're never back again for most guys. Jalen Hurts to me is probably that, but 1200s long. If I play my guy Dak and Jalen Hurts and Purdy, I can play all three together at plus 641 effectively. And now what did I get? I got what I think, even if I don't like the Niners and I'm a little low on the Eagles, I got probably the top two seed quarterbacks in the NFC. We know a top two seed wins this. I just got two of the four candidates to an MVP at 640 to one. So that's the reason that I have to add Purdy to the, it's an NFC only position in a weak conference. Brendan, you're laughing throughout. I know I can't help myself. Tell me why I'm crazy on Brock Purdy. No, no, no. I I think we'll get to coach of the year in a second and we, we do need to move on, but Kyle Shanahan has the same odds to win coach of the year as Brock Purdy does to an MVP right now at <laughs> FanDuel. So that's interesting. And I, I do see where you're coming from, especially if Purdy has a good year. Um, it will kind of justify management too, trading uh, Trey Lance in the same year. And that kind of, <laughs> that butters things up too. So we'll get, we'll get to that in coach of the year. Cause I think that's interesting. Every point you laid out about Brock Purdy, I feel like you could also check boxes off as positives for okay. Kyle Shanahan. Let's go to Offensive Rookie of the Year. And uh, we'll get Brandon's historical context on this. 
Uh, this should be pretty brief because I think we're these guys are in alignment on this one. So go ahead, Brandon. Yeah, you're looking for a top pick here. Offense Rookie of the Year goes to a guy in the first round. 16 of the last 19 Rookies of the Year in offense, first round picks. In fact, 15 out of 19 were top 12 picks. And remember, half of those are defense too. So you need a guy near the top. Last five winners, all top 10. So top 12, top 10, we're looking at three quarterbacks, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson, and then Bajan Robinson, Jameer Gibbs. It's very likely one of those guys, especially because you make a pretty good case for all of them. And then you have to go, you need all of them to, to, to not do well, to go outside that mix, really. So typically about half the time it's a quarterback, two of the last four, nine of the last 19. So numbers come out ha- about half in there, four running backs and six, uh, sorry, four receivers, six running backs out of those 19 as well. Winning does not matter too much here, actually. We don't need rookies to come in and change the world. We just want them to put up some pretty stats, right? Just come and come to make us feel good. Can you play in my fantasy team? Terrific. You're the rookie of the year. Usually rookie of the year on offense is a top 10 fantasy player. So pay attention. Stats matter. That stuff adds up. Running back or receiver, you need about 1,300 scrimmage yards and 10 scores. I mentioned winning. Eight out of 13 uh, rookie of the years have been sub 500. Including including last year's rookie of the year, Garrett Wilson, as the Jets kind of fell off toward the end. So that's the profile. Favorites don't usually win this one, and it's not typically been a running back award of late. But Joe, me and you don't really care about either one of those things this year because we are aligned on the same guy. I'll let you make the case. Yeah, we immediately started texting each other right after the draft to see the rookie <laughs> of the year odds. And we we're like, this seems a little off that the fact that right now we're still getting plus 300 on this guy. So we're both aligned on Bijan Robinson. I'll get into this and I think you'll have a little bit more info to add, but I wanted to uh, cite uh, the O-line rankings that you did on the action network where you had the Falcons offensive line uh, in your top 10. They were seventh because this unit just pounds D lines into the ground. They were third most rushing yards last year, third most rushing first downs, fourth highest yards per carry. And from a fantasy perspective, uh, our own Sean Kerner, we're projecting just over around 300 carries uh, for Bijan in his rookie season. That equates to about 18 touches per game. So that will put him around around 300 or more, uh, which is a lot for any rookie. But when you have Al Gear and Cordero Patterson to be able to help spell, that could even put them in a position to put two running back sets out there. One of the interesting things about the Falcons too and Arthur Smith's offense is They were the only team last year to run the ball on more than half of their offensive plays. They still ran the ball even when they were playing from behind, where typically NFL teams, that's usually the the opposite. And the last rookie running back that we saw taken this high was Saquon Barkley. He finished as running back one in fantasy, one offensive rookie of the year. Time before that, Zeke Elliott was, uh, he probably should have won over Dak Prescott, uh, but I'm not going to get too upset about that. But (laughs) Zeke Elliott should have won that year. I thought he was the best offensive rookie that season. So, And again, I know you were talking about how uh, playoffs and win totals doesn't necessarily correlate to this, but right now the Falcons are getting a lot of preseason hype. They've got minus odds to make the playoffs. They've got an eight and a half win total in an NFC South division that is horrendous with the over. Eight and a half now? Holy crap. Eight and a half with the over at minus 135. So we're going to probably see them as fairly competitive this year. So Bijan Robinson, I think, will be heavily involved. Give it to me all day at plus 300. And, and Brandon, just to jump in, as as you mentioned, I, I wasn't on the text chain, but I'll, I'll let that go. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. But Brandon, when you bet this, I saw you put this in the app. As you mentioned, you got a much better number. It's, it was, I think, you got it at 450. Now it's down yeah. to 300. This moved quickly on uh, Bijan Robinson. It did, and I think that's the key point I want to add here. Is normally it would be ludicrous to to bet on any of these awards at a plus 300, like a future at plus 300 in a race that's wide open like this, 25 percent implied. Typically, you would hear me screaming at you, don't do this. Don't bet on the favorite. Bijan is that good. Like, put it this way. If you hear me, the no favorites guy, betting on the favorite, then you really need to bet on the favorite. I I have Bijan more like 35% likely. I don't think that he should be any longer than plus 200. So I would rather that you got the ticket at plus 450 or 400, but 300 is still good value to me. Arthur Smith, to me, is the case. You mentioned him, Shell. I'm in on Atlanta. They're one of my two worst-to-first teams. I think that they could contend as high as the two-seed in the in the NFC. So I'm not taking Desmond Ritter for my NFL MVP ticket, too. Let's not get too crazy. 
But Bijan winning uh, Rookie of the Year, I think, would make a lot of sense. Uh, one thing a lot of people have been hesitant here is, well, yeah, what about Tyler Algier? What about Cordero Patterson? Won't they take too many touches away? This team ran the ball nearly 600 times last year. And if you are ahead because you're winning games and the defense is a little better this year, guess what you do when you're ahead and you're Arthur Smith? You run the ball even more. So, like, they might run extra this year. There's plenty of touches. I agree with Kerner's numbers. I think 300 carries is very much in the mix. One other thing, here's the schedule start out. You got to get this now. Week one, Atlanta gets to play rookie Bryce Young on the road. They get his road debut. Then Packers, Lions, Jaguars, Falcons. Sorry, not Falcons. I forget who's next. I wrote that one down wrong. But the next four teams are all teams I have in the bottom 12 in my defense rankings. So I would love to tell you, wait around, get someone else hot. Maybe you can buy this cheaper. I think there's just as much of a chance that this is like a negative number. And Bijan is the odds on favorite by sometime in October. So I still like the value. I'll still grab him at plus 300. It's one of the better award bets you can make right now. Green Bay week. So you mentioned Carolina. Green Bay week two at Detroit, Jacksonville in London, and then Houston. Houston was the team. That's right. That's probably sure. why I missed out on that one, because Houston's my other worst to first pick. So, of course, I actually like them. So, let's leave them <laughs> off the list, but let's get that 4-0. I mean, really, they could win those first four games. Atlanta's entire schedule and division is winnable games. If this team is actually good and competent, and I think that they are, and they will be in the mix, and Bijan will be a big reason why. Well, we hope uh, by the end of the season in January, when we're celebrating our Bijan Robinson uh, future winner for Offensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, it will be a great memory. And gentlemen, more memories are made when you're there for live NFL action. And when you need tickets, our friends at Ticketmaster have got you covered as the official marketplace of the National Football League. Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze, and you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. So, you know, for Brandon Anderson, it's the the green and gold for North Dakota State. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash NFL, in in a Trey Lance version of that. Um, (laughs) Moving on, let's go to Defensive Rookie of the Year. We're going to rifle through the, the rest of these awards here on the show. Give us the layout, Brandon, for Defensive Rookie of the Year and how this normally shakes out. Similar to Offensive Rookie of the Year, you need a top pick. 20 out of 23 winners this century, first-round picks. 19 out of 23, top 15 picks. So you don't need to look too far down the draft board. In fact, six of our uh, winners this century are just the top defender. That doesn't seem that many, but that's 26% of them are the top defender. You could blind bet at plus 300 on every top defender and be coming out ahead profitably for the century so far. So spoiler alert, that's where we're going here. (laughs) Seven of our 11 winners here started plus 900 or shorter. So you do want the favorite here. That is often the case on defense awards. And we want a pass rusher here. Six of our last nine have seven sacks or more. We do have three corners in that stretch as well. Used to be a linebacker award, but it's been a pass rusher award lately as most defensive awards have been. So I'm going to just jump right into my guy here because, guys, this is my favorite pick of the podcast. This is my favorite pick of the preseason. Give me the favorite, Will Anderson. Anderson stick together, plus 500. I mentioned the Houston Texans. I am all in on the Texans team. I think this team is way overlooked right now. They've added a lot of floor raisers on both sides of the ball. They moved to D'Amico Ryans from Lovey Smith and, and, frankly, from being irrelevant the last few years like how many times did we even talk about the Texans on our podcast last year they were in our wrap-up moving it along section like week after week (laughs) Will Anderson is going to help change that top three pick first defender on the board consensus top defender really he's been a monster in the preseason he had a play where he came off the edge blew up running back went over and through him and blew up the quarterback and the ball just like bouncing out into the open behind everyone as Will Anderson is just like, I'm the rookie of the year, guys. This is the play. Remember the Jadavian Clowney play from college when he did that? 
It mm. reminded me of that here with Will Anderson. So he's been awesome. Texans defense finished 10th in DVOA the second half of last season. So they're already improving. And now you get Will Anderson. You get corner Derek Stingley back. He missed most of that. And you get D'Amico Ryans, who's been this awesome leader of the 49ers defense all, all these years. So I think the defense improves a lot. Anderson has had 7, 17, and 10 and a half sacks the last three years. So he can rack up those numbers. And then here's one other stat I love. The last six defensive rookie of the year joined a team that was bottom six in points per game allowed and then leapt to top 10 after that. The Jets went from dead last to fourth last year. Sauce Gardner, rookie of the year. Who's our six bottom points per game guys this year? The Bears, Cardinals, Vikings, Lions, Colts, and the Houston Texans. I have the Houston Texans going worst to first in the division, plus 1,100. I am in on the Texans. I'm in on D'Amico Ryans, and I'm especially in on Will Anderson, plus 500. It's my favorite pick of the entire podcast. And if if I remember correctly, uh, Brandon, please interject if I don't get this right. D'Amico Ryans coached Nick Bosa in 2019 on the Niners. So Absolutely. And, and, and Nick Bosa last year, who won Defensive Player of the Year as well. Yep. So... Yeah, uh, getting D'Amico here to unleash Will Anderson. I, I think, look, Alabama obviously wins a lot of games in college football. Will Anderson was not being used necessarily optimally in the way that he will be used in Houston, just unleashing him as a pass rusher too. So I think he's a guy that actually could be better in the pros than he even was used, surrounded by juggernaut talent in Alabama. Okay, very good. I think, Jill, you're good on this one, right? We're going to move on to Coach of the Year. Yeah, I just wanted wanted to mention one point. Like, I'm not going to make a pick on this. I still think it's a little volatile. I did want to mention that Jalen Carter's odds have completely shifted over the preseason with a lot of the training camp hype and being on that Eagles team. A lot of people are looking at more opportunities for him. He's already now down to plus 550 at FanDuel. I just wanted to make one tip because sometimes people will look at this odds list and want to make a a pick way down the list. And I, I would just dissuade you to do that don't pick anybody that's not a first round pick because since 2000 only three players to win defensive rookie of the year were not a first round pick and the last one was Shaq Leonard in 2018 uh but again it does not happen very often and speaking of D'Amico Ryans he was actually uh one of those picks in 2006 but yeah if you're going to be looking just look in the first round but otherwise stick to the favorites Shaq Leonard makes it onto the awards podcast two straight years (laughs) our guy Shaq Leonard he's back Based on Brandon's wisdom about this pick, it almost feels like Will Anderson's odds should be similar to Bijan's odds yes. in Brandon's eyes as it pertains yeah. to defensive well, rookie, uh, defensive rookie, offensive rookie comparisons. And that's what I would say is to to Jalen Carter. I think he's the key here as to why Will Anderson's odds are not that way. I think they should be. Jalen Carter plays defensive tackle. He is mm-hmm. not going to get the same edge rush stats opportunities as Will Anderson. Look. I know he's effectively stepping into Javon Hargrave's role, who had double-digit sacks, but he's not even a starter necessarily. They still have Fletcher Cox. They have Jordan Davis, last year's starter. He's going to play because they rotate through guys, but the Eagles have like 10 guys on that defensive front that they're going to be rotating through. I don't see where he gets the stats. And look, stats matter. If you're a defensive tackle, you usually finish the year with like 25 tackles and five sacks or something. you got to catch people's attention and, and capture imagination. Will Anderson's going to just have a lot more chance to get those flash plays, I think, than Jalen Carter. So thank you, Jalen Carter, for existing. I think you're (laughs) buying us value on this bet here. All right, let's move on to Coach of the Year. And yeah, yeah, we're going to give coaches some love because typically when the three of us are together, at least we crap on the coaching, uh, (laughs) which you can tune into another podcast for that. Uh, These guys will be involved with that one as it pertains to first coach fired. But we're actually going to give the coaches some love. uh, And we teased this earlier because – some of the criteria Brandon's going to lay out, I think, lines up for Kyle Shanahan, but turns out he's a guy we're not even really going to talk about as it pertains to this <laughs> award for, for Brandon's reasons. So why don't you give them to us? Yeah, so I think Kyle Shanahan, it was interesting you mentioned him. I think he does line up with some of the points here, but doesn't with the others. And so there's three things you got to do to win coach of the year. It's very easy. Number one, you got to win games. 12.1 wins the last 10 years, and that's mostly on a 16-game schedule. So really, you're probably going to win 13 games here. Nine out of the 10 won at least 11 games. So that's the minimum. You got to win 11 or more games. Number two, you got to improve. The average here is going from 6.7 wins to just over 12 wins. So a 
5.2 win improvement, eight out of the 10 by at least four wins from last year. Uh-oh, going to be hard for Shanahan right. to improve by that much. If your expectations are too high, that's a problem, which goes to point number three. You have to surprise. All 10 coaches here coach for a team that went over the win total by at least two wins from where it started at the beginning of the year. Average 4.4 wins above the win total. So this is the narrative portion. This is the, hey, wow, look at this team. The the New York (laughs) Giants, we thought they sucked, and now they're a playoff team. Brian Dable, coach of the year. That's the formula. They won the games, they improved a lot, and they surprised. Four out of six winners on this one have been a first-year coach, so that's a trend to watch lately. And five out of the last seven have been offensive-minded. Makes sense. That's where the league is heading. Dable fit both of those last year as well. So, Jill, you got a pick for this one. What do you got? Yeah, I'm going to be sprinkling on this because it's plus 2,500. And uh, I know Brandon is a little more higher on the Falcons than the Panthers, but I can't overlook Frank Reich right now uh, because, again, the low expectations. Uh, they went 7-10 seven and uh, seven and ten last year. Definitely could see a four-win improvement. I know, again, I just don't think as much as separating the Falcons and the Panthers as maybe we're, we're indicating. And looking at Frank Reich's historical profile – the five quarterbacks that he has gotten to use, he might have had the worst luck. Again, he had some say in picking those quarterbacks, but mm. probably like the five quarterbacks now that he has coached or he has had as a coach. Andrew Luck, retired. Jacoby Brissett, back up on another team. Phillip Rivers, retired. Carson Wentz, out of football. Matt Ryan, retired. Again, it's just been uh, a whirlwind of horrible quarterback play, and now you're getting a rookie quarterback who, you know, looked pretty composed in his final two years at Alabama and talking about how uh, – you know, they're going to probably win some games this year that they shouldn't. Uh, you know, they've got the Falcons and the Saints to open the season too. So they might be able to get uh, a little bit of a head start on that division if they play well in those games. Uh, again, they're not favored in those games, but it's worth mentioning. Uh, the other thing too that I wanted to bring up is when teams have the number one overall pick, they tend to do better ATS the following season. So against the spread. So, um, I've been tracking this. I have the data since 1985 teams with the first overall pick see an ATS winning percentage, winning percentage increase of 12.4% every year. That's the average. And they went 9-8 and eight ATS last year. And based on this trend, they're probably going to improve to 10-7 and seven ATS, maybe 11-6 and six ATS. So they're going to be competitive and they're going to be in these games. So if Frank Reich, again, a lot of pressure on him too, because uh, this team, there's going to be higher expectations just with having the number one overall pick. At yep. 25 to 1, I think he fits a great profile to see a little bit of improvement, especially with how they were playing near the end of the year. Like they probably should have beat the Bucs in week 17 to win that division, but obviously they, they collapsed in the second half. So Frank Reich is who I'm sprinkling on at 25 to 1. Remember, Jeff Saturday was their coach that replaced him. Like it almost kind of embarrassed Frank Wright in a sense, where it's like, you think this guy, Jeff Saturday, is going to be a better coach than him? So if he can rebound from that, there's a, there's a narrative there too. Like, where if the, if the Panthers do get off to a good start or they're in the mix for the division, wild card, whatever it may be, it's like the Colts got rid of this guy uh, for for Jeff Saturday. So yeah, we almost uh, need a we almost need comeback coach of the year now at this yeah. point. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Uh, so most of these coaches who get fired, they're just buried in their coordinators for the rest of their lives. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Brandon, so you've brought up Arthur Smith a few times in the Bijan segment for Offensive mm-hmm. Rookie of the Year. And Arthur Smith, offensive play caller, and might have a quarterback that won't, as we found out watching the Netflix documentary <laughs> quarterback, 
he might not have a QB that might just walk out and not come back and play quarterback again or be with the team. <laughs> yeah, not not a great look for Marcus Mariota between that and, and the preseason. Frankly, if you've watched any Eagles games, Eagles fans are not excited about Mariota <laughs> as a potential backup there. So he's gone now. Desmond Ritter, hopefully better. I like Arthur Smith. I'm going to give you three picks here. I'm going to build a position. You can only have 32 winners here. And by the criteria we had, we can rule out the teams at the top and we can rule out the teams at the bottom who probably aren't good enough, like, sorry, Jonathan Gannon and the Cardinals. So really, we're down to probably 10 or 15 options here. I I like Frank Reich. I ranked these guys and he was, I believe, my fifth or sixth choice. I'm going to take my top three here. So give me Arthur Smith, Atlanta, plus 1,400. Give me D'Amico Ryans, Houston, plus 2,500. He's my favorite if I only played one. And then Matt LaFleur, plus 1,600, Green Bay. So I'm going to play all three of those together. It's basically a plus 510. So I get a five to one on my top three guys out of this mix. So I kind of made the case really already for both Atlanta and Houston. So I'm not going to go too far in on that. Atlanta, I like them. They're my division favorite there. Weak division. I don't love the Saints. I think the Falcons are as good as anyone. I don't love the Jaguars this year. I know I don't mind the Trevor Lawrence MVP bet we talked about earlier because if things are right, I think that's in play. I think they could be the one or the two seed and he would be the reason why and be in the mix. He's really the only thing I like about that team. My roster matrix, the way I kind of grade out these teams, he's the one position quarterback that is above average on the entire team, not the entire rest of the, the offense or the defense. I think they're a little overrated. And that makes that division very winnable, which is why I love Houston. Houston, I have as the outright favorite in that division. That's right. The Texans are my favorite over the Jaguars. So I have to take D'Amico 25 to 1. And then really, I'm just trying to grab a sleeper from three bad divisions. And I think the NFC North is the actual worst division in football. I don't love the Lions. I don't like Justin Fields and the Bears. I don't feel great about my Vikings. So I'm going to take a flyer in Matt LaFleur and the Packers. I don't really like the Packers that much. Obviously, I don't like them as a fan, but I don't love the team. The talent is there, though. Jordan Love has looked really good in the preseason. Got to give him a shot. He's been, you know, a few years now to get ready. The defense has a lot of talent that hasn't come together, and it's part of why I don't like them. But there's talent here. I think there's probably the most talented team in the division. So I'll take LaFleur and basically give me three shots at this award from Bad divisions, easy schedules, and a chance to just rack up a bunch of wins if things go right. It's the NFL League. It's the not for long. We don't really know how things go. So this is a good chance to kind of bet on volatility and bet on some of these teams that might be on the upswing here. All right, let's move on. We have three more to go. Let's work in comeback player of the year. This one's always fascinating because I don't know I I feel like it's really (laughs) open-ended for some guys that were hurt sort of like you mentioned Brock Purdy who was banged up last year if you miss x amount of games how does that fare and then we've got the obvious one from last year Damar Hamlin which I know Brandon you're going to discuss in your layout try to make sense for the people as to how this normally shakes out yeah not a lot of historical profile here obviously this is a fully narrative award who yep. captured our imaginations and came back. The, the only stats I have for you here, 11 out of 15 have been quarterbacks. Duh, we like quarterbacks, right? We pay attention to them. So quarterbacks mm-hmm. are going to win. 11 out of the 15, what did you come back from? They came back from an injury or health scare of some sort. So like last year, Geno Smith, what did he come back from? Uh, sucking, I guess, like his yeah, career. Yeah, bad, new, bad, or had yeah. a down year. Yeah, right. Right. So if, if you are not an injury or health scare guy, you probably need to just come back from your career resurrecting and be a quarterback to do that, win a lot of games. So keep that in mind. One thing is you do have to win. 14 out of our 15 guys made the playoffs. 14 out of 15 won nine or more games. So you're not inspirational to us if you're four and 13. You got to actually matter here. <laughs> So DeMar Hamlin is interesting here because depending on your book, I've seen him as as short, long, I don't know. Minus 275 is the best number I can see out there. He's minus 350 some places. I've seen him as long as short, I don't know. I've seen him at minus 700. They're asking us to bet $700 right now in August to give them our money until February to return $100 in profit on DeMar Hamlin I have more to say about Hamlin, but Jill, this seems ludicrous to me. Are, are you considering Hamlin here? Look, I know the narrative is obvious. The dude, it's amazing. He's even 
in the league and stepping foot on the field again. Is that enough? And he's the winner and this is over. Are you betting yet? Where are you at on DeMar Hamlin? I think I'm aligned with you and reading your profile on Action Network about comeback player of the year. One of the points that you brought up was the fact that he's not really a traditional starter either, especially for the safeties for the Bills when you've got Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. Uh, For me, I think obviously it's a great story and there's a very good chance he will win. But I can't recommend anybody betting something minus odds like that in August when the narrative and story can completely change. Like, uh, like Matthew Stafford, for example, coming off an injury, he's around 50 to one for this award, but I'm not as high on the Rams this year. And I really don't trust him to stay healthy for 17 games. He just takes too many hits. Plus he's already won the, uh, this award before in his career. There's only been one two time winner of this award, Chad Pennington. You last, he won in 2011. Um, so with Hamlin, I think that's my issue is that at least the last time we were kind of thinking about this, maybe I, I think of the Alex Smith year where he only played probably six or seven games, but it was such a heartfelt story. And the fact that he was a quarterback and the fact that Washington won and that he was an instrumental part of them winning, I think helped push that over the edge. I'm not sure if just showing up on the football field is enough to consider warranting as being this high of a favorite in August. Brandon, if, if you're a fan of the Texans, John Mechie's got to catch your attention, right? Because that is a that is a wide receiver room. I know Robert Woods, I think his best years are behind him. But if Mechie, leukemia, ACL to miss his entire rookie year, if he becomes the favorite target of C.J. Stroud, and you're a fan of the Texans and what they're putting together, that, to me, is also something to consider. And he's a skill guy, too, so he'll be on the field more, right. just more involved than a DeMar Hamlin. Yeah, I mean, to, to me... Strictly from a, an award candidate purview, he's kind of Demar Hamlin light in this scenario. Like I, I just I don't know if John Mechie is in the conversation, right? Everybody knows Demar Hamlin because we all watched it and we all saw it unfold, and we we're all hoping for the best all the way along. Yeah. I, I don't know if the public is invested yet in John Mechie, and unless maybe that changes, maybe he has this great thousand yard season, and the Texans are as good as I think, and maybe he explodes onto the scene then great. I, I think that he then is in the conversation. But otherwise, if if we're going to give the award to the, oh my gosh, how is he even on the field right now candidate? It's Tamar Hamlin. Like that's right. that's the case. So, but yeah, you brought up Alex Smith, Joe. He went five and one down the stretch. They made the playoffs yep. with him at quarterback. He, that mattered. Eric Berry came back from cancer on defense. He's the one defender in recent years. So that's the guy you're kind of looking here that he came back and played again. But Eric Berry, Played at an all-pro level for the Chiefs that won like 11 or 12 games, made the playoffs. The Bills are going to make the playoffs and win those games, but we got Teddy Bruschi came back and is like a core player of your, Brendan, your Patriots. Like he's the heart of the defense, came back from a stroke later that year. Again, miracle to be on the field, but also you were a really good, important part of the team. And I'm sorry, that's not what DeMar Hamlin's role has been on this team so far. I, I hope that it changes, but I, I can't bet on it. For me, my best bet on this award, if I can word it this way, is don't bet on DeMar Hamlin. I'm sorry, like that from a betting perspective only, that cannot be the right investment at, at a minus 300, 500, 700. It's just not a, a wise investment of your money from August to February to win such a small amount for a thing that is way more open than we would like it to believe from the odds on this award right now. And Jill, you've got a best bet for this award? Best bet, but with a recommendation as only a sprinkle, because this is at 75 to one right now at uh, FanDuel. And again, I wouldn't put more than maybe like a little sprinkle, like a point one of a unit on it. But I'm looking at Saints wide receiver Michael Thomas, and we know his pedigree. We know his history, what he can do in the NFL and the stats he can put up. He just hasn't been healthy. He, he hasn't really played much at all over the last, since 2019 when he won Offensive Player of the Year. Now, he did play three games last year. He caught three touchdowns in three games. And the encouraging thing, I think, as well with the winning profile, the Saints have the easiest schedule in the NFL from a strength of schedule standpoint. Uh, they have a nice high win total. They're favored to win their division. So, we could easily see double-digit wins and potentially uh, in a playoff berth. And Derek Carr is going to be a step up from Andy Dalton. I'm sorry, I'm not saying Derek Carr is this world-changing quarterback, but Andy Dalton is still Andy Dalton, and Derek Carr will be better on that front. And we see how he treats his wide receiver ones 
in this history as uh, as a Raider. And all you have to do is look at last year with Devontae Adams. Yeah. Devontae Adams finished with the most receiving touchdowns in the NFL, second most overall targets. I think if we see Michael Thomas play at least 15 games, we've got a great shot here at plus, uh, plus 7,500. Okay. Derek Carr, number 12 on Brandon Anderson's quarterback rankings. So he's got him up there. <laughs> uh, we got two more to go. We've got Offensive Player of the Year and Defensive Player of the Year. Let's try to get through these as quick as possible, Brandon. Why don't you give us the layout on offensive player of the year offensive player of the year you're looking for basically your number one fantasy player that that's what this award is for who had the crazy outlier stats that no one saw coming here's what we're looking at running back 350 carries 1800 yards 14 touchdowns over the last 10 years that's the average we need here so monster season if you need a receiver 140 catches 1800 yards 11 scores that's the sort of receiving season you're looking at quarterbacks 4600 yards 44 touchdowns so you just need monster stats. Here's what I think is interesting about this award. Running backs won all eight Offensive Player of the Year from 1996 to 2003. Then we shifted to quarterbacks. From 07 to 16, seven out of 10 quarterbacks. Now, three of the last four were receivers. So I think it's the receivers era. I only really looked at receivers on this award. And I think that maybe buys us a little potential here. If, if I'm right that this is a receivers era, because there's a lot of, quarterbacks and running backs that are getting numbers on here as well. So last thing, you do have to win. You're going to probably win if you put up numbers like that anyway. But our last 10 Offensive Player of the Year is all won at least 10 games and average 12 wins. Okay, and Jill, you got this right last year with Justin Jefferson. You gave it out on this very podcast. So who might be the Jill Gallant winner this year in 2023? Well, Brandon, I'm sorry. I have to look at running back, but it's the only running back I will look at for this because of the how versatile he is. And that's Christian McCaffrey. And he's sitting right now at 14 to one just because he is that do it all stud. And you saw as soon as he got to the 49ers, it was like a cheat code. Like from week seven to week 18, he scored in eight of 11 games. He scored in all three playoff games. Now, they lost the first game that he was on the roster because he showed up like Thursday to play the Kansas City Chiefs. Sorry. <laughs> but And then didn't lose again until the NFC Championship game. Uh, last year, finished with 256 carries, 85 catches. That's the most since 2019. And I know the injury risk is real with Christian McCaffrey, but the reason why I, I, I'm willing to overcome that objection is because we've seen him do this. We've seen him have the 1,000-yard rushing, the 1,000-yard receiving, the 100 catches, you know, and the fact that he's got complementary pieces like a Debo Samuel and an Eli Mitchell to spell him so he doesn't have to do 25 carries a game. And you've got Kyle Juszczyk as a top three fullback, Trent Williams, the best left tackle in football. So I think we could see a 1,000 yards rushing, 100 catches, 15 combined touchdowns. And if he's putting up those numbers and we see San Francisco at the top of the NFC, he's going to be in the mix all the way to the end of the season. And then all you got to do is just listen to Brandon during the season for potentially hedging opportunities and then maximize your profit. (laughs) There you go. There you go. I mean, hey, Garrett Wilson last year for Offensive Rookie of the Year. That was something that we talked about midseason. Maybe he jumps. Is he a Brandon? Is he a target possibly? Because Aaron Rodgers loves himself some Garrett Wilson. He does. I I honestly looked at him. I was ready to just like dump all over him as short odds, but man, they don't have any other receivers. And Garrett Wilson is a guy that could make the leap in year two. I'm going to go with a different guy making the leap in year two. I'm going to give you two names here, but my favorite pick here is 65 to one, a different sophomore. Give me Chris Olave on the Saints. Mm -hmm. It's basically the case you just made, Jill, except I don't think Michael Thomas stays healthy. And if he doesn't, (laughs) then Chris Olave is in line to get a lot of work. Derek Carr loves his top target. Chris Olave was really good last year, specifically running the seam route. That's the Darren Waller play. That's the thing that Derek Carr has been throwing for years. And yards per route run, here's the top nine in the league last year. Tyree Kill, Justin Jefferson, Waddle, A.J. Brown, Chris Olave, number five, Devonta Adams, Amon Ra, St. Brown, Stephon Diggs, CeeDee Lamb. That's a who's who of the best receivers in the NFL. Those yep. are all top two fantasy round picks, and it's Chris Olave. So uh, he had 119 targets last year. I think with Carr, they're going to pass more this year. He's going to get more targets. I'd say 30 or 40 more targets. Uh, I think he's in the mix here and could break out and have – that Justin Jefferson sort of season. So I was really surprised to see him so long at 65 to one, my outright pick here. And really these are just sprinkles because we're, we're betting on un- unknown outliers. You got to play this more like Jill said, as the season went on, but 
I'll take Tyree Kill 20 to 1 as well. Mm. He's why I would just pick straight up against the field. Guys don't repeat win here. So Justin Jefferson probably out. Cooper Cup probably out. We haven't had a repeat winner since Marshall Falk in 2001, I believe, other than quarterbacks. Here's the numbers for Tyreek last year. He had 10 games with seven or more catches. He had 700-yard games. He had four out of the 16 games in the entire league with 160 yards or more. He had a quarter of them. So I mentioned yards per route run just a second ago with Olave. Tyreek Hill is number one with a bullet. And I mean with a bullet, the way this dude runs. He was almost three yards per route run. Second place was Justin Jefferson under two and a half. Like he is lapping the field that good. Through half the season last year, he was on a 2,000-yard pace. Honestly, I think he would have won if Tua didn't get hurt down the stretch. So I think he's the candidate. If I have to pick somebody right here, so I'll sprinkle Tyreek 20 to 1 and then Chris Olave 65 to 1. Yeah, and even those receivers you mentioned, Michael Thomas had Drew Brees at quarterback, Cup, Stafford, Super Bowl year, uh, Justin Jefferson. You know, the Vikings won a ton of one score games last year, but they won their division. They were a really good team. So I think, I know you didn't lay this out in your outlook, but being on a good team, the Saints with Olave favored to win the division. I know you're, you guys like the, the Falcons a little bit to make some noise potentially, but uh, that aligns too in a bad, bad conference. Uh, for yeah, and, and you know what's interesting with that? I noticed this as well about we only have these three receivers. So this is maybe over reading into it. Yeah. But you mentioned obviously Jefferson had Kirk Cousins. And Thomas had Drew Brees and Teddy Bridgewater, I think, for five games that season. Right, that's right. Cooper Cup had Stafford. These are good quarterbacks, but you're looking, you've mentioned my QB rankings. These are quarterbacks that late career Brees, these are like 10th to 15th best quarterbacks. These are not Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and Joe Burrow. So be careful because if you put up huge numbers, like Jamar Chase maybe, but Joe Burrow is also on your team. Maybe he just gets credit and wins MVP instead. I do think it's interesting that you need maybe not a stud quarterback, just a pretty good one. Good enough to give you the ball, but bad enough that you're the star and not the quarterback. Right. That's a good point. They give. It's almost like how we talk about, does the quarterback have the weapons? Well, if that's typically how you have to start your support for the quarterback, it means it's more about the weapons than the quarterback. You follow me? So that's that's a good that's a good yep. point. That's up that that lines up for Olave, I think, for sure. And Tyree Kill with Tua. Um and Christian McCaffrey with Brock Purdy. So that's that's good stuff. All hey, lines. Future MVP Brock Purdy to you, sir. Okay. All right. Uh let's wrap up. Def- <laughs> <laughs> Defensive player of the year. Who normally wins this award, Brandon, and, and who might you like? We want a pass rusher. Eight of our last ten have been pass rushers. One corner, one off-ball linebacker. So those pass rushers have averaged almost 17 sacks over the last ten years, at least 11 for all of them. So you want a pass rusher. Again, flash stats. It's the easy way to go. Average age here is 26. Seven of our ten are in the age range from 25 to 27. So we kind of want someone in their prime, not someone going too far past that. No one since Charles Woodson in their 30s. 2009 for him. And then we don't necessarily need you to be on the best defense. Average finish here defensively for these guys last decade, only about the 10th best points per game allowed and ninth defensive DVOA. You don't necessarily have to be on the number one defense. You just, you know, you have to be on a good defense because that will matter. So I like this award just because, again, defensive awards are more predictable than you think. The field here is not as wide as we like it to believe. So I'm going to go back to the, what I did last year. It did not work out for me on this podcast. I built a two-man position, and both of my guys got hurt. So I'm going to build a position again. I'm going to do a crazy position here. I like all three favorites, and I'm taking all three favorites because I think their odds are all too long. I think the odds for these guys at 20, 30, 40 to 1 are, should be like 100 to 1. It's going to be one of our top seven, eight guys on the list. We just picked the top defender. like. I don't know who's good at defense. I uh, This guy has 20 sacks. He must be the defensive player of the year. I'm sorry, but that's kind of what I think the voters are doing here. So Micah Parsons, he would be my top pick. He's got the best odds, plus 550. Miles Garrett for Cleveland, plus 800. TJ Watt, Pittsburgh, I had him last year. Had interception in a sack the first game, and then he got hurt. Sorry for me. He's plus 850. I'm going to take all three. I think it sounds crazy to take all three favorites, but... I get all three together for plus 170 here. I think I'm going to have a very good chance, better than 50-50 to win the award. So I don't know which one. I like all three. I truly couldn't pick them. 
So I'm just going to take all three. Okay, and Jill, one of those three you are a fan of, and who might that be? Yeah, I'll help you. I'll help you pick a favorite of the three. TJ Watt <laughs> at plus eight hundred, um, mainly because of a lot of the profile you just explained. Now, the one part of that profile is being a little bit younger. He's going to turn twenty nine in October, so I guess this is going to be his last hurrah. But from an edge rusher standpoint, prior to this twenty twenty two, there was nobody better from that department. He he led the league in total sacks from twenty nineteen to twenty twenty one, fifty sacks in forty six games. Now he only finished with five and a half last year, but. Uh, again, dealing with that injury, missed seven games, but really it was night and day for the Steelers when he was on the field. In 10 games he played, Pittsburgh is 8-2, held opponents to an average of 14.3 points per game. In the seven games he missed, they were 1-6, they gave up 25.2 points per game. So again, it's a pretty obvious night and day comparison here. And one of the reasons why I'm interested to see how his odds are going to fluctuate is because he's got a pretty good test in week one against the San Francisco 49ers. And I'm interested to see where they line him up because if they put him outside of Trent Williams, he's probably not going to get as much done. But if he's on the right side of that old line, which is much weaker, he is going to wreak havoc. And if they get the, they also get the Browns, the Texans and the Raiders to finish the opening month. There's a very legitimate chance he could have six and a half to eight sacks in the opening month of the season. So um, if he's already at that point, we're going to see those odds shift even better in our favor. So I love TJ Watt to win another Defensive Player of the Year award at plus 800. I'm glad you brought up the record with and without. That is uh, stunning. It, not really stunning when you think about how impactful he is, but it, it's drastic. It's a huge drop off when he doesn't play. Okay, so with all that, after that full breakdown, excellent stuff, guys. What jumps out and you may have based on your tone and your excitement and you i could sense what was your best bet in that whole episode but best bet from each of you and then we'll get out of here from that whole show i'm gonna go first because anderson stick together it's will anderson plus 500 (laughs) defense rookie of the year i said it when we were there it's my favorite bet of the podcast i'm gonna be on more of these podcasts it's gonna be my favorite bet of all those podcasts too stop listening go bet. well listen to jill's pick then turn off your (laughs) podcast and go bet on will anderson Five to one defense rookie of the year. I keep thinking you're speaking in like third person every time you bring up <laughs> Anderson. So, uh, yeah, TJ Watt, defensive player of the year at plus 800, and Bijan for offensive rookie of the year at plus 300. Those two are my best bets for the 2023 season. Excellent. Excellent. And check out both of these guys, Brandon Anderson, uh, not Will, Brandon Anderson and Joe Gallant in the Action app when they add, and they've already added some of these in the app uh, a while back and some that are. Coming in now over in the Action app, uh, these futures uh, picks, uh, these award picks. So be sure to do so. That is our NFL Awards Best Bets episode for Joe Gallant, Brandon Anderson, Brendan Glasheen. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you're all enjoying our NFL pods that are coming out here on the Action Network podcast, all leading up to NFL Week 1. Thanks for tuning into the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. We'll talk to you again next time. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.